Alright, welcome everybody to OK Shred. I'm your host, Matthias Carlson. Today, we have a few things to talk about. Obviously, the episode titled, Past, Present, and Future of Dirt Biking slash Motocross. Uh, we're just going to give you a, a little update first on the whole skiing situation. Uh, when we can expect to come around the season of talking about skiing, if you will. So... The ski hill I am plan I have a season's pass for is opening on November twenty fifth, which is a Thursday. For all of you people who are going to be skiing at Big White, I guess I don't know. And their snow right now is looking is looking really good on their webcams. Very 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 happy with the snow I'm seeing there. Let's hope it stays. Of course. And then uh, we can start to, you know, talk about skiing. And I'll be in the mood to talk about skiing, and obviously I'll be able to talk about my ski setup, and you know what that's looking like, and how it feels, how it's going. But anyway, what we're what we're all here to listen to: the past, present, and future of dirt bikes slash motocross. Now this is really just going to be about the bikes themselves. So in the past there is there's one very very iconic motorcycle. Now it, it mainly iconic for uh, the, the type of engine as well as its engine size. Now a couple other brands did make similar sized or exactly the same sized engines that were two strokes and there's a hint there. However, this brand is, and this bike is, a lot more famous. And that this bike, of course, is the CR500. Uh, this bike is it was, or it, it is regarded to be an absolute animal, just infinite power everywhere. That is a little bit of a misconception, as two strokes characteristically have a power band, so there won't be power in one place, and then there will be a good blip of power before it kind of planes out whereas four strokes you usually have a more linear uh, power so it's just it well, especially 450s they just they feel the same all, all throughout it's you know it doesn't doesn't start off kind of underwhelming and then hits like a two-stroke does but regardless the CR500 was an absolute monster of a bike I believe its first year was 1986. I have heard um, from someone who's owned a CR500. They owned a CR500. It was a 90s model year. And they told me that basically every single year after the 86 was just trying to calm it down because it just had way too much power. Now, that bike, I, I I believe, can be regarded as the monster everyone makes these bikes out to seem. I'm not saying that a 500 is not enough power. What I'm saying is these modern 450s, which we're also going to talk about, have come a long way. And not only would be more usable, but because of their usability would be faster. But some of the other manufacturers who made a 500cc two-stroke 
um, Kawasaki made the KX500 and Suzuki made the RM500. Yamaha was a little interesting. You know, Yamaha back in the day, they weren't really in the picture with a lot of things. They started, um, they started picking up as the YZ line continued. So, yes, the KX500, the RM500, and the YZ490. Now, I've seen some people say 500cc Yamaha. I can't really confirm just by looking at the bike, but I'm pretty sure they're just rounding up. There was a tabloid a couple a couple days ago saying Yamaha came out with a, a YZ500 two-stroke. Um, it was completely fake, some fake you know tabloid website, whatever trying to get views, trying to get clicks, you know, trying to get money at the end of the day. Uh, it kind of, it appeared on some little sections of TikTok, but it's uh, can 100% be confirmed it's not a thing, as much as everyone would love for it to be a thing. Nowadays, a 500 two-stroke makes no sense. Uh, mainly because um, in the AMA Supercross, and motocross, I believe. Uh, it's just, yes. You can't have a two-stroke racing, so there's literally no point because the two-stroke two two-stroke buyer makes up a very small percentage, not very small, but a smaller percentage of Yamaha's uh, market, I guess. Mainly because a lot people who are buying them are racers. Now, of course, the uh, YZ whatever um, engine size X, uh, like the 125X and the 250X, very popular bikes for woods riders. However, there are for people who like to do hard enduro and things like that, they usually go looking around for the KTM Husky Gas Gas Group bikes. I, I think it's the XC300 or XCW, something like that. I, I, I don't really know. I haven't looked into them that much. Or they go, over, go after some other 300. So one, one thing I've actually heard people really want to happen and it makes sense because I really want it to happen, is if Yamaha made a 300 two-stroke. I know that bike would sell like hotcakes. But that's not the point what we're talking about. We're talking about the 500cc. This bike, the CR500, it died really just because of AMA regulations. You know, two-strokes were fizzling out. They were more popular in the 90s. And you, you can see this um, because... Uh, there's the Red Bull Straight Rhythm event. Uh, a couple years back, they did like a 90s throwback two-stroke event where um, Ronnie Mack actually appeared. Ronnie Mack is a diehard two-stroke fan. He has his opinions on four-strokes and his opinions on two-strokes. 
and he really likes two strokes anyway two strokes were very popular in the 90s you know lots of people they associate you know the two stroke this two stroke smell of what dirt biking was back then and they are dying out for sure just because like motocross and supercross those sports are really keeping dirt bike dirt bikes alive because there's money in supercross like watching it advertising around it everything there's money in it so they're going to keep keep doing that to chase after the money however if it's not you know money related then yes of course it's it's not going to do as well now you might be saying well what about uh hard enduro hard enduro you know very few of them use four strokes the only you know enduros people who use four strokes are the like arena enduro people which yes they use 350s um, 350 is a little more usable engine size but yeah they, they use two strokes so how, how come the CR500 couldn't stay alive for those people like I said you know hard enduro has become a little bit more popular over the last few years because it's a completely different sport it's it's an incredibly physical sport and not a lot of people watch it and without people watching it there's not a lot of money in it now there is money in it which is why it's a thing but not as much as motocross and supercross and it's for that reason that a lot of manufacturers are fizzling out two strokes Yamaha is the only Japanese brand that makes full-size two-stroke bikes Kawasaki came out with um, recently the KX 112 which uh, is a super mini so in a super mini class you can still race um, a two-stroke in the highest engine size you can do is a 112 and so you can see how the racing is keeping those two strokes alive but there's not really really big and mainstream um, two-stroke races which is why they're not as popular now Yamaha kind of has a mon mon monopoly on the market and this is because there are a lot of Yamaha fans out there and two-stroke fans out there and they'll buy a Japanese two-stroke and most people are people who need to be on a full-size bike which is why they're not buying you know the Cowie 112 and also they need the power these small two-stroke bikes you have to be pretty skilled to ride them your clutch control has to be really good you have to always keep it in the power band otherwise that thing just won't move now I'm not saying nobody can ride a small engine size two-stroke I'm just saying they they take skill to ride which is why more people go for the 250 300 and obviously you can't race a 250 two-stroke anymore and the only racing on 300s is hard enduro and so really it's the racing that is keeping the bikes alive and because there's no use for a 500 in racing 
that's why they really fizzled out. And on top of that, they just weren't that usable of a, of a bike. Having such a hard hit, you you not as skilled as a 125. It's well, not I can't say if you're more skilled or less skilled than a 125 rider because it's a different kind of skill. But it would be hard to ride, especially in the woods. But nevertheless, the CR500, KX500, RM500, and not so much the YZ490, but we'll throw it in there just to be nice. They were legendary bikes and incredibly cool bikes. And I mean, they're very sought after nowadays just because of the status they have, not so much the functionality. But that was the past, and we did dip into the present, but what is the present? Obviously, in Supercross, we have our 254 strokes and 450 four strokes. Now, there's money around this racing. That's why these bikes are a thing. That's why they're developed. Like Yamaha does not really develop their two strokes. They did make quite a few changes, but really only to their race two stroke, which again just shows how racing is where the money's at. So that's where these manufacturers are going to spend the money. The 450, it's, I mean, it's just a lot of bike. I'm not saying it's unusable. The one thing people do fall into is, oh yeah, 450. I mean, I'm a 450 kind of guy. Well, why? Uh, I don't know, I'm just a big guy, big bike, you know? Often, 450s end up being too much power for people especially when they like to ride in the woods. You, I'm not saying you can't ride in the woods on a 450, but manufacturers make 450s for the woods, not these motocross bikes. And some people fall in the trap of buying the motocross bikes. But is there anything, as far as motocross, what's wrong with the 450 four-stroke? Not, not a lot. One thing people say is because they just have so much power, it takes away a lot of the skill and it kind of does you know there's not a lot of clutch control in motocross and supercross as there was with when there was smaller bikes and two strokes and everything but two strokes is a different story because you have to ride two strokes differently so people say that you can make a mistake on a four stroke and the power can just get you out of it some people say said the ama should switch to 350 supercross and motocross bikes which would be interesting it would require more skill but it's the 450 has just been so solidified i don't think it's possible for it to happen the 250 uh, yes that would that would bring up another thing as well if the next class of rider you know the guys are getting paid the big bucks is only 100 cc's more than you know it just it doesn't it just seems a little more unproportionate which which is true so would they then have to come up with like a 200 four stroke that's just a weird size of bike and you know not quite enough power and and then it becomes all this new research and development that companies would have to do the ktm husky and gas gas group they already have a 350 and they can very easily turn that into a motocross bike these japanese brands do not which is also, another reason why I think it won't be able to happen is because the Japanese would have to come up with a whole new bike, and they could lose a lot of their riders to uh, 
KTM because they know KTM maybe not as refined, but they have, or sorry, not 100% refined, but more refined than what the Japanese are going to start out with. So it just doesn't make sense to switch to a 350, but it would be interesting to see. Because, yes, I, I personally believe that the 450 does take out a little bit of scale. And it and smaller bikes, you know, require you to be more active and you know, ride the bike. But for the most part, there's really, at the pro level, there's nothing really wrong with the 450 four-stroke. When you just look at it, it's just a solid bike. Uh, because four-strokes have a more linear kind of power band and... The power doesn't hit. Uh, it, maybe it does, but not like a four-stroke. And these bikes are cleaner and more efficient. Although, I mean, two-strokes, they're, they're not as dirty as everyone makes them seem. However, they are not as efficient as a four-stroke. And you can tell, like, you can argue all you want that they're not um, or they are just as efficient, or they're efficient, or whatever. But if they were 100% efficient, then a 252 stroke would make double the power than a 254 stroke. Because when you think about it, if there's two power strokes and the same amount of strokes on a two stroke and only one on a four stroke, then yeah, they should be making double the power. But it's because they are a little bit less efficient that they don't, and it's kind of balanced. So, these four strokes being efficient and usable make some great bikes. Now, one thing California just did, which is incredibly unfortunate, is they've banned the use of small, or I don't know about the use, but just they've banned small motors. That definitely includes the motors, but I don't know if that includes use as well. Like if you own a dirt bike now, I don't know if you can still ride it. I don't think you can. California has been on this weird crusade against dirt bikes for a very long time. But now in California, you can't even have a gas-powered lawnmower, to my understanding. That might be wrong. So if I am wrong about any of this, please reach out to me on Instagram at OK underscore shred. DM me there. You know, Let me know what you thought I said was wrong. And if I'm wrong, I'll come on next episode and tell everyone I was wrong. Or if you just want to leave a suggestion uh, with the next episode topic that, that would be, that would be great. So again, that is OK underscore shred on Instagram. So yeah, to my understanding, you can't use a lawnmower anymore in California. So will that be a big dent in the sport? Initially, I think it, it will. But I, I think the sport can grow around it. But the future, this is where the future comes in. It's a company called Suron making a fully electric dirt bike. And I mean, this thing is, it's a little bit out to lunch. I'll read you guys off its uh, specs, some of the specs in a second. But lots of things people have, or lots of problems people have, with the electric bikes is you know there is still a little bit of skill left in these 450s you know you still have to be in the right gear but it's just twist and go on an electric bike there 
now people are also saying, yeah, well, I don't really feel like rebuilding my motor twice a year. If you are rebuilding your motor twice a year, you are A, riding a lot, a lot, a lot, or B, you are doing something very wrong. Very, very wrong. I don't know if you're not doing an oil change often enough or what, but you're doing something wrong. Now, the thing is, sure, you don't have to rebuild an electric dirt bike, but if the motor goes out, you're going to have to replace that motor. Motors are quite more expensive than a rebuild. And I might be thinking, well, you know, rebuilds can get pretty pricey. But a motor has so much more into it. So much, well, not that it has so much more. It's just there is a whole different industry and set of skills going into an electric motor than a mechanical engine. Bo both of these are engineered very heavily. However, the electric motor is just a lot harder because it's everything's smaller and you can't really see what's happening. You know, if something shorts out, I mean, you might be able to see the burnt wire, but you're not going to know the what wire and you're not going to know where it connects to. You're going to have to pull out a diagram. Now, of course, we're all pulling out diagrams on our bikes anyway, but it is a lot more complicated. Not all of us are electrical engineers, and I know not all of us are mechanics, but you can learn an engine a lot easier than you can learn a motor. That is for sure. Now, earlier in the episode, I said small motor. Uh, before I was referring to a engine, um, those terms are used interchangeably. I I don't mean to use them interchangeably, but it's just how it works out. But from this point on, when I say motor, I will mean electric. Now, really quick, I'm just going to pull up the specs on uh, Suron's new fully electric dirt bike. All right, so I'm now on Suron's website looking at the Storm B. This is their newer bike. This is meant to be more of a dirt bike e-bike. Their earlier bike, I don't even know what you could call it. But here, let's, let's look at the diagram they got here. So here, here's here's the the first um, you know huge problem I have with this thing. Like massive problem I have with this thing. Its rear shock travel is 115 millimeters. Now you might be like, well, what does that even mean? Like, well, what's my bike? Now, I know from mountain bikes, my DH bike had 200 millimeters front and rear travel, but rear travel, 200 millimeters of rear travel. This has 115. That's a lot less. Now, that's for a, a big DH bike, mountain bike. Big DH mountain bike had 200 millimeters of travel. A pretty, you know, gnarly, like beefy enduro bike. Uh, the difference, I'll talk about the differences of uh, a downhill bike and an enduro bike in a later episode if I really have to. But a pretty gnarly enduro bike had has about 180 millimeters of rear travel. A average one had about 150 millimeters of rear travel. You're getting pretty sparse on travel when you get to 130. 
and 115 I I really I don't know what you're doing that's that's not a lot now on a dirt bike I mean this is this dirt bikes you know meant to be uh, a track kind of bike they released a video of this guy doing stuff on the track with it I mean when you're coming off of a big triple like it's going to feel pretty rough with only 115 millimeters uh, uh, rear travel that's going to feel pretty rough now maybe I'm wrong here so I'm going to go look up the rear travel on a YZ450F all right the rear travel on a 2018 YZ450F is 315 millimeters we are talking light years above Suron that's 200 millimeters more travel like Suron uh, I'll give them the Suron the benefit of the doubt that's their first year of the bike so yeah you know they they deserve some slack there but I mean 200 millimeters where did that all go like you know that that's significant ground lost if it was like 250 millimeters that's where you can comfortably blame the first year on a different kind of bike but 200 millimeters it's 20 centimeters that is almost a foot one foot is 30 centimeters so that's two-thirds of a foot which is eight inches I mean that that's a lot <laughs> Like a lot missing there. Let's look at the front uh, suspension travel. 190. Oh, that sounds a lot better. The 2018 YZ450F is at 310. So yeah, 20 millimeters. This is where you can comfortably blame first year. Yeah, you know. However, you know, obviously you can't just go and add more travel to the bike that would shift its geometry a lot you so there is a lot of research and development that has to go into this so preserving its geometry does make sense but 200 millimeters that's that's a lot um let's see now we're on the uh, here just trying to find Ah, the off-road off specs here. So this is the bike that's designed to be more motocrossy. So, here we go. <clears throat> it, sorry about this. Its curb weight is 127 kilograms. A kilogram is 2.2 pounds. So let's just say it's 2 pounds. So... That is 254 pounds. And that's going to be a little bit more because there's that 0.2. So it's around 260 pounds. The YZ450F has a weight of... The YZ450F has a wet weight of 245 pounds. You're like, ah, only 15 pounds. 15 pounds on a car does not make that big of a difference on a motocross bike it makes a lot not only do uh, the factory some motocross and supercross riders i mean they shave around probably at least a pound or two which is a lot on a dirt bike it doesn't sound like a lot but it's a lot so 15 pounds 
that can be expected, you know, because of the battery. I mean, that is still a lot. So if you're if we're talking about this as the future, usually the future is supposed to be an improvement. So far, all I'm seeing is I mean, horrible disappointments. 200 millimeters less rear travel, 20 millimeters less front travel. That that is excusable for it being the first year of this bike and lots more research and development. But over 260 pounds I mean, wow. Like, wow, that like that is really unexcusable because these pros they they need that weight gone for it to feel good. Now people say, "Oh, well, it feels lighter," which is important, but also you know, it still has to be light. Now, I just did the math. 127 kilograms was its curb weight. And one kilogram is 2.2 pounds, so 127 times 2.2 is 279. That is a lot. That is 34 and a half, roughly 34 and a half pounds heavier. 15 pounds was a lot, but 34 pounds. I mean, wow. And with less travel to work with, that is going to feel atrocious coming off of a big jump. It's going to feel horrible coming off of a big jump. Now, there's all these other specs here. You know, it's power, maximum power. Uh, you know, we're, we know it's fast, that's for sure. Well, you know, straight line, give or take. We all know electric stuff can accelerate because it's instant power. Now, they have eco, rain, Sport Plus and Turbo mode. So I assume that tur you know you're going to be running on Turbo mode, you know, all the time. Now this bike does have a top speed of a hundred and ten kilometers an hour. I don't know what that is in miles. <laughs> I'm sorry. So that that is quick enough. But, I mean, I already know <laughs> the YZ uh, is going to be faster. The YZ can go 80 miles per hour in cam. Okay, give me a sec here. So, the max speed of a YZ450F is around 130 kilometers an hour. So, I mean, that 20 kilometers an hour... Yeah, it makes a difference if you were planning to like super moto this bike. You're not even going to see 110 kilometers an hour on the track, so that doesn't really matter. And we know this electric bike can accelerate because it's electric, and acceleration is what matters. But what's really unexcusable is that weight, 34 and a half pounds. I mean, yikes. And th this travel, that's what's unexcusable. You... In my mind, you can't call this bike the future until there is some major reform. Now, Kawasaki announced in 2035, they are going to be going fully electric. Now, that is a lot of research and development for Suron and Kawasaki. That's a lot of time for them to do that. So right now, this is not the future. But here's the thing. 
Kawasaki can go all electric all they want. It's what the AMA says. And Kawasaki is going to know that if they can't race in the AMA, they're not going to be making money and these bikes will flop. Now, they they can go they can make electric bikes. I don't think they should go electric. I think it's good for manufacturers to have two because electric bikes are more friendly to the newer rider. That's for sure. There's not as much maintenance involved now there is still a lot of the same maintenance you know tires your sprocket stuff like that there is going to be uh, that kind of maintenance to it that won't go away but it is a lot friendlier to a new rider however i don't think a pro like a, a guy like eli tomac or you know cooper webb these guys who else i mean i don't think ken roxon races anymore but you know, guys like that, they couldn't pick up an electric bike and win right now. I mean, it's just too different. And I feel no matter how good it may or may not get, I mean, when electric things, when, when they start running out of battery, they get slower. I mean, you can't have that. Now, of course, when you're running on fumes on a gas vehicle, it's not going to be running at 100%. But, you know, in races, they usually don't go down to fumes. So, yeah, it is more friendly to a newer rider. That is for sure. That, that is unarguable. Which is why bike manufacturers should have both kinds of bikes. But you can't just completely replace the sport with those kind of bikes. It's impossible. Now, if they did it more gradually, maybe. But as we saw with the two strokes, moving into the four strokes is whatever the AMA says, whatever keeps racing alive keeps the sport alive. And if AMM, if AMA and racing says no, then that's going to be it for mainstream electric bikes. KTM makes an electric dirt bike. In fact, let's go take a look at those specs. The KTM is light years, and I mean light years ahead of the Suron, that is for sure. It has 250 millimeters of travel in the front and 260 in the rear. Now, again, that is less than your average 450, but that is an improvement. Now, here is its major improvement, its weight. It weighs, it has a wet weight of 245 pounds. That is impressive, very impressive. As we saw, that, that was the weight of the YZ. And, of course, pros will be able to shave some weight off of that as well. It is, the KTM is a lot more on track. And that is because, you know, KTM builds bikes. They're on, as much as they say they do, they don't. So, does this mean that Kawasaki would have a better chance? Yeah, probably. They're used to building bikes. Now, recently, I've been hearing all this rage about Suron. I mean, as we can see, KTM, I mean, completely dusts. Suron. That's without question. But as great as this KTM is, it, you know, it still is too different. And electric, you know, batteries, they just aren't there. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe Elon Musk, maybe Elon Musk will help us out, save the sport, as some people claim going electric will do. Maybe. Only time will tell. 2035 for Kawasaki, that is a very good timeline.
But if electric bikes, if current electric bikes were to re- replace the sport, that would kill it. I mean, the KTM costs like ten grand. The Suron is around six to seven. I mean, that is still a considerable amount of money. You're not, you, you can't really find these electric KTM's on the used market as much as you can a gas bike. And even if you got rid of gas bikes in the AMA, gas bikes are going to stick around for a long, long time. Because here's the thing. On a trail ride, you can carry gas with you if you're really going that far. If your battery dies, your battery dies. In the cold, it doesn't really matter how cold your gas is. It's still going to be gas. But batteries do not do good in the gas. In the cold, my word. Well, they don't do good in gas either. So right now, if electric bikes were to replace... Absolutely not. Will time tell? I don't know. I, you know, I, I really can't see. You know, people are raving these things are the future. It's iffy. Maybe we'll come back to the subject in a year or two. See how that works out. But right now, absolutely not. I think we're staying four-stroke. The biggest development would be going 350, in my opinion. It's just... Both of these things is a lot of R&D for manufacturers, and we're going to have to see how they would go. That is all for today, guys. Thank you so much for listening to OK Shred. Like I said earlier, go follow us at OK underscore Shred on Instagram. DM me there if you have any comments, questions, or concerns. You know, Maybe drop a topic for the next video. God bless.